Welcome in Sideline Sports Show, episode number 36. Ben and Tim here with you. Tim, as always, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm doing very well on this Friday Eve, as I always say, Ben. You know, and, and first show in a while that we've done on a Thursday. So, yeah, it's been a minute. So, it's been a minute. But you know what's even better, Tim? What's that? We are honored to have Division II national yeah. champion head coach Landon Powell join the show. Coach Powell, thank you so much for joining us here on this lovely Thursday. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. Happy to be joining you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you guys won the Division II national title. Tell us kind of how that beginning started. Did you guys think preseason that you had the team to win it all? Because I know you mentioned a couple of times you said, hey, this is not my best team, but the guys kind of fed off that a little bit to go all the way. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a very talented roster. So, um, you know, I, I knew going into the fall, I felt like we had the pieces there to be a – a national champion caliber team and to definitely compete for that. You know, we've been in several regionals and super regionals the last couple of years. So we kind of, you know, I had a clear picture of what it was going to take and what kind of teams were going to be there at the end. And I thought we had the talent, the ability to be one of those types of teams. Um, when we got to Christmas, we had some issues. We had, we lost several arms, one to injury, two to eligibility. Um, our pitching coach who had been with me the last five or six years, he had to move home to Florida for a family emergency type situation. So I would have told you in January, I was probably less confident than I was in August or September. Um, but baseball is an amazing sport. It doesn't always work out and shake out the way you think it will. Um, we had some pitchers on our staff step up tremendously and just come out of nowhere and have awesome seasons. I mean, Noah Takis is one that jumps off the top of my mind. I mean, Last year, he only threw six or seven innings total and did not have a great year, did not have a good fall this fall. And then this spring, he led the country in ERA, whip, batting average against, and hits per nine. You know, so he ended up being like one of the best pitchers in the country. And, you know, um, I would not have expect, expected that. So uh, it was a magical season. Really proud of my team and happy of what we accomplished. What we accomplished. Now, Coach, looking ahead to next year, because obviously this year you guys national champions. Uh, how many of the guys are, are looking at coming back? I, I know you have guys like Josh Center uh, that, that are um, fitness guys, Jordan Holiday. Those guys are leaving. What does next year's roster look like as you look at it right now? It's. I think it's going to be really strong. Um, so we lose, we lose uh, three seniors that were everyday starters: Garrett Octavio at second base, Josh Center in center field, and Ethan Stringer in left field. Um, those guys started almost every game all year. Jordan Holiday, you mentioned, was a first baseman. Um, you know, he split time, uh, especially the second half of the season. Had a great year, but wasn't an everyday player for us. I think in the, in the World Series, he started two games and, and, and came off the bench two games. Um, so that's about it offensively that we lose. Um, Pitching-wise, we got a lot of arms coming back. Um, we, we bring back all of our starting pitching. So Reese Fields, who was Conference Pitcher of the Year and uh, College World Series MVP, he's back. He was only a sophomore this year. Noah Takis, who I just mentioned, who led the country in four or five different statistical categories as a pitcher, he's back. He was only a junior this year. Um, and then uh, we got a bunch of other arms returning. Uh, Nate Roof, who threw three scoreless innings in the national championship game, you know, he was a sophomore, I believe. Uh, so we. We feel really good about what we got coming back. There's a couple X factors. John Michael Fail, our catcher, who's you know one of the best players in the country, been uh, he was named to his third All American team in a row this year. So he's a guy that 
I hope gets drafted and moves on. I hope he's not back. But uh, he has another year of eligibility, and if he doesn't get picked up, he'll be back. Um, but I hope he gets his chance to go play. Mark Kloop, our right fielder, conference player of the year this year, first-team All-American. He's also a draft possibility. But uh, if, if he doesn't go, he'll be back as well. So, you know, we, we could be every bit as loaded again next year, maybe even more so because uh, we have a great recruiting class coming in. I think this is my strongest recruiting class I've ever had coming in. I expect some big things out of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned one, a couple of guys that stood out to you, but who was a guy that kind of came in this year and just took you by surprise more than anybody else? I think Takis would be uh, one of those guys for sure, the pitcher. Another one, um, Corey Bivens, our shortstop, made all conference. I think he hit 330 or 340 with 11 home runs this year. Um, he was a guy last year that really struggled. And, um, you know, he was kind of coming off the bench, was a utility guy, um, didn't start all the time at all. Really, I don't know if he started maybe seven or eight games all last year. And he, he hit around 200, I think, last year. So, I knew he had talent and ability. Uh, he, he actually had a much better soft uh, – let's see, I guess it would have been COVID year was his sophomore year. Um, he, he actually was starting for us that year. And then last year as a redshirt sophomore, he lost his job and, and didn't have a great season. So this year had a tremendous year. So he was a big a big plus for us. And then late in the year when John Michael Fail got hurt, um, you know, we had two different catchers, Jax Cash and Campbell Connard, um, who both stepped up and had some huge moments for us. Um, Jax – um, had been playing a lot throughout the season. He was an everyday player because when he wouldn't catch, he would DH. So, but him going into that catching role did a tremendous job. Campbell Connor came off the bench as a freshman and hit several key home runs and caught really well behind the plate. Um, so those guys. One more name I'd give would be Zach Zara. Zach Zara was a guy that last year as a freshman didn't play much. Maybe got 30 or 40 at-bats last year as a freshman. This year was not an everyday starter throughout the middle part of the season. And um, – we threw him in the lineup every day late, and uh, he was the conference tournament MVP and had some huge at-bats in the regionals and super regionals and World Series. So um, it, it's fun. That's what makes this cool is it was a full team effort. You know, it's not like it was the same two or three guys that just dominated the whole year through. I mean, we, we had guys step up in totally different places. Um, we had guys that showed up this year that didn't do much last year. So it was a really cool group of players and a great team, and I'm really proud to coach them. Absolutely, Coach. And I, I really want to ask you, because Ben and I have been up there a few times. We, we went to school there uh, up at NGU. And what is it about right field there? I don't know what it is. I've never seen so many right-hand hitters hit opposite field shots that way as much as I've seen up at Tigerville. Is it win-related? Is it like, what, what is it up there that makes balls just fly out to right field? Um, yeah, it's – you know, I would say that overall the field is a very fair field. Like, it's not a – um, I don't think it's a hitter's ballpark. I don't think it's a pitcher's ballpark. I think it plays very fair. Um, we play in a lot of other ballparks on the road that are one of the other. You know, like when I think of Newberry, I think Newberry's a graveyard. The ball just does not go anywhere. When I think of like Limestone or Erskine or one of those, the ball flies. Um, so I think our field's been very fair. But you are right. That that's right center field area is, is a little bit of the – I guess that's the, the launching. If you're going to hit it somewhere, it's going to go. That's kind of the – the honey hole, if you will. And I preach that to my players all the time because I've recognized it too. You know, that wind comes off the mountains there in Tigerville, um, and it blows kind of from left field foul pole to right field foul pole. So when you get it up in the air a little bit, um, it, it'll push and help it a little bit to right field. But, uh, you know, the other thing about North Greenville is, you know, you never know which way the wind's going to blow. I mean, there are days that I show up and the wind's blowing 20 miles per hour straight in, 
and the next day it'll be blowing 20 miles per hour straight out. You just never can figure it out up there. Um, but John Michael Fail, Pat Monteith, some of those guys have had a lot of success with opposite field home runs. Um, it's it helps them as a hitter too to, to see the ball through the middle of the field. You know, be on time for fastballs to right center. Um, that allows them to sit back and hit all speed pitches to left field. And it's been a good game plan for a lot of our guys. You mentioned Pat Monteith, and one of the things that he kind of brought to the College World Series was some some ice. He always had these chains that you guys wrapped around that College World Series trophy. Kind of tell us how that all kind of started, because it looked like it was a lot of momentum that carried with y'all all the way through the College World Series. Yeah, when you get to the postseason, like you just, you know, you've been playing so many games and for so long, you just, you're looking for things to keep you interested and have fun. And, you know, superstition is a big part of baseball. Um, so I guess one of the first days in Cary, um, our guys had some time to kill. We went to the mall um, where we were – our hotel was right next to a mall. And there was like a kiosk um, in the center aisle, which they're going to be mad at me for telling you it was a kiosk because they want everyone to think that these came from like a legit jewelry store. But uh, there was like a kiosk in the mall, and the guy was selling, you know, jewelry. And it was – it's all fake, you know, cheaper stuff. Yeah, I think each right. next like 20 bucks or something. And so they all – you know, a couple guys bought one the first day, and then we went out and won the game. And then they were like, all right, well, you know, as a naturally as a baseball player, I got to go back tomorrow and get another one because that's how baseball works. If I don't do the same exact thing two days in a row, you can't win, which, you know, it's just silly, but that's how baseball players are wired. So then, you know, by the time we get to the end of the World Series, these guys all have four or five necklaces around their necks, and it's just <laughs> out of control completely. Um, my assistant coach, Trey Dyson, was on the bandwagon with him. You know, he's, he's a 42-year-old father of two. And, you know, he's out here wearing all kinds of necklaces and, and uh, all this bling. And um, I loved it. I mean, for me, it's just like, hey, do whatever you want to do to have fun. You know, it's like that's what this is about. Enjoy it. Um, be be goofy. Do silly stuff. Believe in your silly stuff. I mean, Trey Dyson and one of our pitchers, Matthew Taubensy, we call him Chewy. They were touching their, like, necklace Jesuses between pitches. Like, you know, like it's like there's just works. weird things. And, you know, they bought uh, – Pat Monty bought my son a necklace, uh, who was the Bat Boy. And so my son was wearing a necklace during the game. And, oh, yeah, it's just uh, – it was great. It was great. And that picture afterwards with all the necklaces on the trophy, that was a really cool picture. It was, absolutely. And I, I remember – what did Coach Trey Dyson refer to it as? Like it was like we're touching our Jesuses or something like that? It was yeah. It was like the quote of the year. I was like – I've never – like you said, a 42-year-old father have a cross like that on his neck. It was kind of it was kind of, kind of funny. I was like, yeah, he's got some drip with him, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and he's like the least drippy guy. So like he's, you know, he's got the same three outfits that he rotates and wears. And so right. it's funny when we got down to the end of the season, like he, you know, he our players convinced him to get some new Air Force Ones that he was wearing, and he's got all these chains going on. So it's like outside of his persona, but uh, it worked perfectly for the World Series. So if you had to get a necklace for yourself, which one would you have gotten? Oh man, I'd go something simple. I'm a very, uh, I try to be understated and, and modest so I, i'm not a big necklace guy I, don't, I used to wear one in college i had my number on it but i got to professional baseball and i think a veteran kind of made fun of me for it so i quit wearing it maybe um but yeah i don't I, the only jewelry i have right now is a rubber a rubber wedding band um that's the only thing i wear um but yeah i don't know I don't know what it maybe a okay. catcher's mitt or something if I got okay. if I got a necklace. I don't know. Bank can kind of relate to that wedding ring. <laughs> yeah, I can. Definitely. For sure. Well, I used to have a white gold one that I wore forever and ever. And uh you know, I played professional baseball my whole career and wore it and never took it off. And uh I would catch with it in games. I'd hit with it. And uh 
my last year playing 2013, my very last season, I used to always take it. I would take it off sometimes later. My uh, that year, for whatever reason, it was loose, and so I started taking it off because it fell off in the game a couple times. So I was like, man, I gotta stop wearing it during the game. So I would take it off and put it on top of my cell phone and leave it in my locker. And uh, it was like, you know, toward the end of the season, I came back to my locker. It was gone. My cell phone was still there, but the ring was gone. So someone, someone, you know, someone took it, and uh, I never located it. So my wife just bought me the rubber one to replace it, and that's what I've been wearing ever since. Wow. So wow. You, and you talked about your uh, professional career as well, because I believe you played with the Oakland A's 2008 to 2010. Is what I, uh, I was with the A's. Well, I got drafted with them in 04, and I played with them all the way to 2012. So I was in the big leagues with okay. them uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, and then traded to the Astros in 12. And then um, I played with the Astros in 2012, and I signed a free agent deal with the Mets in 13. That was my last year playing. Gotcha. And so, so like you, so you've been on a major league field, but something Ben and I will never do, you know, just what was it like to put on a big league uniform? And, you know, and plus you had such a heck of a journey just to get there as well. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I grew up as a kid, like I told my dad when I was like a 10 year old kid, I wanted to play in the big league. So that was a lifelong dream of mine. It's not something that, you know, I just decided when I was in college, I wanted to pursue it. I, I really dedicated a lot of my life to, to trying to get to that level. I, I sacrificed things as a kid. As a kid, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't do swim team, or I didn't go to church camps. I didn't uh, didn't go on many vacations during the summer. I, I was playing baseball and really focusing on my sport. I had a batting cage in my backyard, and you know, a lot of my other friends would maybe go play video games or, um, you know, ride four wheelers or do some of those things, which I did occasionally. But I spent a lot more time in the batting cage and uh, by myself, hitting and working on my craft, and uh, it paid off because when I was a 26 year old, I got to the major leagues and got to realize that dream I'd had forever and um, got to spend three or four years and at that level and really figure out what it was all about. It's a dream come true. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the best of the best in the world. Um, you know, you can't imagine how talented these guys are. Um, you know, I, I was a great player and, and I got to the major leagues and I was a very, very average or below average player. And um, it's just, there's so much talent and ability in the world and those guys at the major league level, they have been fine tuning their craft for so long. Um, it's it's uh, that's the biggest thing. It's just such a huge jump. Um, so it was awesome. I loved every second of it. Um, I, I'm I'm proud and and uh, grateful that I had the opportunity to play at that level. Um, you know, I had some injuries and some illnesses and sicknesses that really shortened my career. I would have loved to have gone and played ten years in the big leagues or something like that. But I'm really lucky that I got the the years that I did. And um, it's a perspective and something that I'll never, you know, I'll never uh, take for granted. Yeah. And one of the things I realized is I think after you guys won the World Series, one of the biggest things that got brought up was your E60 film that you did while you were playing Major League Baseball. And it kind of showed the struggles that you went through as a player. But then it showed also how you kind of turned around and made this North Greenville team a really, really special team and to get to this point. Tell us how those trials and tribulations early in your career brought you to NGU and how it helped you at NGU pursue what we believe is starting to be a dynasty in Tigerville. Um, yeah, you know, it's just uh, all the things, you know, any of us, any any person that's gone, gone through life and navigated the ups and downs of life, you know, um, I guess what you try to do is is learn from every experience, whether it's good or bad, and uh, help allow it to shape you to to make future decisions and to 
um, you know, get the most out of this life that, that you want. And uh, so for me, my baseball career has taught me all kinds of things, good, bad, everywhere across the board. Um, so when I retired from playing and decided to get into coaching, I, I you know, I'm very equipped. I've, I've just been through a lot. I've seen a lot, been a lot of places, played with a lot of different people. Um, and all those experiences have 1000% helped me as a coach. Um, when I got the opportunity in North Greenville, I knew that I knew what it was. I knew it was a, a crazy big challenge. I knew it was an uphill battle. Um, and I just really felt like I, you know, had the knowledge, the background, the experiences that I could maybe make an impact. And, uh, did I know for sure eight years ago that we would be winning a national championship and had turned this program around the way we have? Um, no, but I believe we could. It doesn't mean that I knew for sure. I mean, I've been wrong before, uh, but I, I really did feel like we could make a difference. And, uh, I really, you know, I, I can promise you I did not take the job thinking I wasn't going to do it. I, I, I've always believed we were going to achieve it. So uh, it was just really cool this year to go out and actually do it and finally um, be able to hold that trophy up and, and uh, kind of just like realizing that major league dream I had as a kid to, to go and realize a, a national championship in North Greenville, um, you know, maybe equally as big a task, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'd say you did that taking a team from eight wins to 54 wins. That's, Pretty, pretty awesome in itself. Now, I want to talk about this. Now, you've been very open with the fact that you love Tigerville and you want to stay there, and we would love for you to do that because, I mean, you building a dynasty there, like as Ben said, uh, we hope. And uh, But your name has been thrown out there. You know, a lot of people have been throwing your name out on Twitter and stuff like this for South Carolina, for Clemson, this, that, big-time job. Uh, but you've been very open with it. You said that you, the only place you would leave Tigerville – uh, for is South Carolina. What runs through your head when people start throwing your name out there like this? Yeah, it's hard because, um, it, you know, I, I like to, I try to be very honest. I try to be very transparent. I think that's uh, something I want to do in all parts of my life. I, I, I don't um, – I've never been a fan of people that I feel are, are insincere or fake or, um, you know, political. I, I Politically correct. I like to say what I feel. And so when I get asked that question – you know, a lot of coaches or advisors or agents would say, hey, don't answer that or answer it politically correct or say this. But, you know, I, I usually just answer it with my heart and tell you the truth. And, you know, the truth is, is if, if South Carolina ever asked me to come coach there, I would. You know, that's my alma mater. I love that place. Um, it, it, they were it was a special time in my life. It shaped me as a person. Um, it, it's created, in, you know, incredible amount of friendships. You know, my wife, we met there, dated all four years of college. So, you know, it's a it's a place that I cherish. So. Um, you know, to say that I wouldn't go there. No, I would definitely go there. Um, you know, but Tigerville has also been a place I cherish. It's been really good to me. Um, I've made a lot of relationships in Tigerville. Um, in North Greenville has been a tremendous opportunity. Um, it, it's been hard. It's been, there's been challenges, but, um, I wouldn't trade any of it. So, um, I, I, I'm not itching to leave Tigerville. I'm not, I'm not like sitting here waiting for the phone to ring to get out of the Greenville. Um, I love living here and I could live here the rest of my life. Um, my family loves being here and uh, my kids love growing up here. And, uh, I, I, like I said, we built a pretty good program. It'd be very easy to just sit here and continue to do what we're doing. Um, but, uh, you know, that at the same time, I, I want to support the coaches that are at South Carolina, you know, those guys, they work hard and they're trying and then they're not having the success they want right now or that the fan base wants or us as alumni want, and they know that. They, they realize that. I actually sat with one of the coaches from, from there today, and we, I mean, he's very candid, and he understands that 
that people expect him to get it turned around. And, you know, for me as an alumni and a guy that played there and helped build that program as a player, um, I root for them. I, I got their back. I, you know, I don't want them to fail. Uh, I don't want by any, when I get these questions, I don't want to take Mark Kingston's job. You know, I want Mark Kingston to turn it around. I want him to win and I want to be his supporter. Um, but that's not the questions I get. The question is, if, if they ever called you, would you take it? Well, I mean, yeah, I would, but that doesn't mean I'm itching to go there and I'm not trying to take his job. Um, I, I got a good job. I got a good, a good life here in Greenville. Um, and I hope Mark Kingston and those guys really turn it around because there's nothing more I'd want than to watch the Gamecocks get back to Omaha. That's a fantastic answer. I mean, it really is. Uh, last but not least, Coach, it took a long time for NGU to go from eight wins, like Tim mentioned, to 54 wins in a College World Series. First, what did it mean for the city and the community of Tigerville? And then, two, what's next for your program? Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it means a lot. I, I can tell you. Um, I think the university has been. You know, they've. I've seen a lot of folks and employees of the university that I didn't really think cared much about baseball, and and all of a sudden they've been very supportive and great. And uh, they've reached out and congratulated us, and um, that's been cool to see. That to realize that man, they really. You know, a lot of people do care. Um, and then I would even say this: the, the city of Greenville and even the state of South Carolina has kind of rallied around us more than I would have guessed. You know, we're a little Bible college up here in the foothills. And, you know, people haven't over historically really cared about what's been going on at North Greenville. Y'all, if y'all went there, you, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, the WYFF, the local news stations, they're not covering North Greenville sports every night. Um, you okay? Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback here. but Yeah, I was about to say, Tim, is that you? I don't think so. Okay. Hopefully, it just went away. Hopefully, you guys can hear me okay. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, a lot of a lot of folks around Greenville, um, you know, haven't really cared as much about North Greenville. It doesn't seem like over the years the local stations don't cover it as much, stuff like that. But this this last couple of weeks, uh, I really feel like people have cared and they've paid attention. And um, you know, I've done radio interviews and television interviews all over the state, from Charleston to Columbia to Greenville. Um, yeah, I think with, with the other programs around the state maybe being down a little bit right now, uh, people didn't have college baseball to root for. And so North Greenville kind of came became the South Carolina school that they rooted for, that, you know, we're carrying the flag for the state. So I'm proud of that. I'm grateful for that. And uh, uh, it definitely feels good for folks to realize and recognize what these players and coaches have been working for at North Greenville. Coach, I got one more question for you. And I remember uh, back when – the stadium was first upgraded and stuff. It was just before COVID and everything, which it, it's nice. It's a great facility and everywhere. Um, as for broadcasters, it's nice to not have to broadcast out there and right center field anymore, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. So, but um, I remember the, the original plans for the, the uh, stadium were kind of to be expanded a little bit. And it kind of seems like those have stalled a little bit. Was that kind of pandemic related? Are those plans to kind of expand the stadium even further still out there? Or are those kind of dead? Yeah, it's pandemic related. I mean, COVID changed a lot of things, you know, changed, you know, colleges and universities are businesses and all of a sudden um, they weren't allowed to, you know, have anybody attend their business. You know, so North Greenville to me is a place that's fortunate because of how they've always done things with their budgets. I mean, North Greenville has no debt. They don't owe a bank a dollar. You know, they've always been really smart about their money. Their, their stewards are good faith with their money. And because of that, they've been able to survive a lot of this pandemic-related stuff, whereas a lot of universities around the country have struggled, and it's it's really hurt them. And even here in Greenville, I mean, Furman University canceled their baseball program as a result of the pandemic, you know, and 
Um, so, yeah, the the plans for our, our new locker room and a covered batting cage and some of the other things, those are definitely still on the table, and, and we're still working through those. Um, but it just was delayed because of COVID. That's really all it was. Luckily, the stadium press box behind home plate, the stadium seating, hospitality suite, things that you guys are enjoying there, that's happened right before COVID. So um, we got that in right before the world kind of shut down. Uh, but we're we're moving back forward with our plans, and um, you know I, I think there's some some fun stuff on the horizon that people can get excited about. It's awesome, well, Coach. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And then again, congratulations on bringing Tigerville a Division Two national championship. It means the world for us as alumni, and I know it means a lot more for the state. Uh, so we really appreciate Absolutely. you and you guys and all the work that you guys put in to win a national title. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for that, and uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. That's Coach Landon Powell. Thank you for joining the show again. Fantastic interview. Fantastic guy. Absolutely. And you know, I found out there was a problem, you know, because I, I kind of forgot that uh, I'm having my bathroom redone. Yeah, I was okay. So, so I, I, I didn't think it was going to be a problem. And then I was just, then I heard the noise and I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, I think that's it. But I mean, so it's okay. I just muted it whenever I stopped talking. Yeah. Well, Again, Coach Landon Powell, thank you so much for joining. Yes. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the red, flaming hot Braves as they come off a series win over the San Francisco Giants, and then Freddie Freeman returns to Atlanta. We'll talk all of that and more right after this break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back in Sideline Sports Show here on this lovely Friday Eve, as Tim would love to call it. Tim, let's talk about the flaming red hot Atlanta Braves. I, I would never ever dare call it hot Atlanta, but we'll well, you know how, you know how I, I love food because when you said flaming hot, I I was really kind of thinking uh, about Cheetos there for a second. So, <laughs> well, look here's here's <laughs> here's a perfect from Christopher Milford. The Braves have won eighteen of their last twenty one games, Tim. I mean, yeah. fantastic. This month. fantastic. I mean, they're just on fire. And I'll tell you, two home runs today. I was about to say that that right now is, uh, I would say, the player of the month is Dansby Swanson because this dude knows he's about to enter free agency and he says, I want my contract <laughs> and mm-hmm. I want it now. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I mean, I he's, mean trying to get, he's trying to get that start at the All Star game. And, oh, I yeah. Mean, I think last I checked, he was like second. So he, he definitely could make his way up there, you know, and he's got the popularity in terms of uh, how good he is at baseball. He also has the probably the female vote. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> you know. He, he, he probably does, you know. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could get that number one spot and be a starter. And he's definitely earned it with his play on the field for sure. And the Braves had one of the weirdest lineups, I swear to you, Ben. Yes. I mean, no Ronald Acuna. Uh, no, Adam Duvall, even though he came in like in the ninth inning as a defensive replacement or something like that. It, it was one of those uh, weird things. And then um, who else were they without today? Oh, Austin Riley. Riley. They were yeah. out Austin Riley today and against the Giants. It was like 12-20 games at home. Braves never, and I repeat, never do good 
a home games at 12-20 during the middle of the week. But somehow, some way, they scored seven runs in the first four innings and were able to make it stand through nine. So, get 18-3 and three this month, only four games back of the Mets. And you know what's great? All of this, ever since that guy for SNY or whatever that I know. Mets affiliate, ever since that guy said the NL East is over, the Braves have been on fire. So, we appreciate it. Thank you for being a moron. And, and for all Braves country, we say thank you. Yes, now go jump in a lake. <laughs> and what's even better is when the Mets, I mean, I, I think they're on like a two-game losing streak right now, if I'm correct. But yeah, they had, had two-game series with the Astros that didn't go so well for them. Yeah, and my, my favorite thing is, is that whenever somebody, and this even happened last year, Whenever somebody from another NL East team like tweets something and says like the NL East is done or it's garbage or something stupid and absolutely not even related to anything relevant, the Braves just get red hot. I mean, it it, it doesn't matter what happens, but it's absolutely insane that it even happens. And I think it's really interesting that you know the next thing that you see is uh, Jazz Chisholm does an interview with former Atlanta Braves reporter, Kelsey Winger, and basically says, I mean, he didn't verbally say it, but he basically said, like, hey, I'd rather be in Atlanta than here in Miami. I mean, I'm just being realistic. I don't know if it's a better team. I mean, I mean, I mean, the whole team is just fun. So, I mean, why not? But, I mean, it's tough to really say where there's a spot for him. I mean, maybe at the end of this year, I mean, it's, it's what position is Jazz? Jazz? I kind of He's forgot. technically second base and shortstop. He's in that – well, we kind of have, you know. Oh, I mean, it, he's, he'd be a good replacement if Dansby were to leave and say uh, like a free agency type situation. Yeah. So, well, it, the problem maybe potentially be the Marlins have him locked up for the next five years, but supposedly a lot of other players within the Miami Marlins organization just don't flat out don't like him. And which, I think which is mind boggling to me. I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah, and so uh, it's really weird to see how that kind of translates because he's obviously your best player on the field. I think Jorge Soler would probably be number two. But, like, maybe – no, Aguilar couldn't be up there in my top two. I, I, so I would say Soler, yeah. And I, I'm just saying I would think Chisholm is, like, the face of the organization right now. And if you traded him away, it shows a lot about the Miami Marlins organization. But I mean, they've made boneheaded moves like that before. I mean, it it's not that we don't already me. know. I mean, so. because look, uh, I mean, you go back and look. Christian Yelich was on that team. Um, Stanton was on that team at one point. Ozuna was on that team at one point. Uh, the Phillies catcher, I don't know why. JT Romuto was on that. Yeah. yeah, was on that roster at one point. I'm just saying, like, they've made some bone. And they couldn't moves. even get a wild card with exactly. that team either, man. Crazy. So and now the Braves have put themselves in a position where they're four games back. I think we're at the point where we can com- comfortably say that I don't think Braves fans should hit the panic button anymore. Because remember, I think like a month oh, wow. ago, we were saying, "Hey, do the Braves fans need to hit a panic button?" And I, I say no now. I think about a month and a half ago, you probably say, "Yeah, no, I think it's a good time to hit a panic button." But they didn't panic. They brought up Michael Harris which has been phenomenal. I mean, really better than Travis Demerit, in my opinion. I mean, you can be the judge of that. But in my opinion, Michael Harris, obviously, I think better. William Contreras has been like a huge addition to this lineup. A lot better year than what he had last year. And I think the only thing that the Braves would regret right now 
is maybe Adam Duvall, maybe, and I can't even say that's a guarantee because he's starting to heat up a little bit, and hopefully that carries on throughout the rest of the year. Had the walk off last night. Manny Pina, I, I think that could be a questionable concern that you signed yeah. him to a contract, and now Will, Will, William Contreras is doing better, or yeah, William Contreras. I get confused between the two. Understandable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you though. The panic button, it definitely. I mean. You throw the panic button out the window. The panic button is not even a thing anymore. Don't yeah. even worry about it. You're not panicking. The Mets are the ones that need to be panicking. I mean, they're only four games ahead of us right now after they were 10 and a half at, at the start of this month. I mean, the Braves are getting hot, man. And when this lineup gets hot, and what's crazy is, I mean, Riley's had his moments, but he's been, he hasn't been himself recently. Ronald Cunha's definitely hadn't been himself. Right. You know, Riley got off to that hot start. He's got 18 home runs a year, so he's not struggling by any means. But he's been he's been struggling just a little bit here. I say laboring, maybe a little bit this past week or so. But uh, that's why he's had basically had two nights off and only had the pitch hitting uh, appearance last night. Didn't play at all today. So get him back on track. Get Ronald Acuna back on track. Who had that monster uh, go ahead shot in the one game the Braves lost? And Ben, how's this for baseball? Right, the Braves in the three games they win, two runs, four runs. Seven runs. Yeah. The one game in the series against the Giants they lost, they scored 10. Yeah. <laughs> Got to love baseball sometimes. But, yeah, I I, and, but yeah, Dansby's putting – I mean, a lot of people are starting to say an MVP-type performance. I, look, right there. I mean, look, Dansby it's, MVP, man. Mr. Milford over there yeah. I mean, agrees with me. I mean, he, he's been performing lights out. He, he's always been great at shortstop. At times he can be very streaky with the bat, but right now he's on a very long streak with the bat. I mean, he's hitting – Amazing right now. He, he's hitting dinger at the dinger, two dingers today. I mean, he has to be playing lights out. I mean, Orlando Arcia, ever since Ozzy Albies broke his foot the, the other week against the Nationals, been on he's come fire. in. I mean, he has, and he had that walk off on Monday. I mean, the dude's been playing really well. I wouldn't say we wouldn't haven't missed a beat with Ozzy because that would be not true, but Arcia's definitely come in. He's proven himself. Excuse me, I had a cough button there. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, um, he's definitely proven himself. He's definitely become um, the backup, and he proved himself to be very worthy and very valuable to this team as well. So hopefully, he. I don't. I don't think he's going to be with us. Say next year. I think he signed a one-year contract, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I, I believe he. I believe well, no, he'll be somewhere else. He's still on the contract from last year that they got him on okay, from the Brewers. Gotcha. I mean, last year. I mean, he was everyday starter for the Brewers as well for a long time. So. This guy is just showing he, he can still play, and I believe it. So hopefully it's not just a streak. Hopefully it's just not just him uh, kind of on his high horse, you know, trying to just, you know, prove himself immediately because he's going to be in that role for a couple months while Ozzy recovers from a broken foot. So hopefully he's he's not just, you know, streaking right now and then he'll go, go cold for a long period of time and then we'll be trying to find a replacement somewhere. Um, I don't think that'll be the case, I, and I think RC will be a very capable backup. And I think he'll help the Braves kind of right the ship that, as they've been doing in the month of June. So they're definitely trying to go for that uh, franchise record of 21-5 and five set by, the, I think it was 20, yeah. 2002 Braves. They yep. definitely have a chance to beat that team for sure for the best record in a month. So And, and it'd be, wouldn't it be awesome if they do they take two out of three from the Dodgers this weekend? Yeah, and, and that was my next question I had for you, Tim. And I don't understand why this is even a question, but it's a question for – some random reason to stir up controversy on Twitter and all this other stuff. But do you oh, yeah. think the
the Braves fans will boo Freddie Freeman when he comes to the plate yesterday. If the ones that are booing, I hope you get slapped in the face. <laughs> I hope so too. I mean, you are idiotic, okay? Like the way the whole thing played out, I'm sure people have regrets, but the man was there through it all for Lynn. I mean, we were, yeah. he was there. He got up to the Braves when their last few times that they were really good with Chipper Jones, you know, and he stuck it. Stuck it out when they said, you know what, we, we got to blow this up because this team is just not going to win a World Series. But, Freddie, we're going to invest in you. And he endured years and years, a few years actually, of the Braves not being in the playoffs, the Braves losing. I think one year they even lost over 100 games. They were just awful. They were terrible. He, he wrote it out, and he finally got, got a team in which that was very talented. Ron McCooney started coming up. Ozzie Albies came up. Swanson came up after the trade. Started getting some good pitching. Soroka, who's hopefully going to be back this year. Uh, Max Freed's come up. Kyle Wright's bit burst on the scene. He's he's, he's kind of struggled a little bit. He's done a good job of damage control, especially today. But uh, these pitchers are starting to come up. You know, this young talent, and he's they finally started to build around Freddie Freeman. He was the face. He was the soul of Atlanta, you know. And and he was the face for that that World Series title last year. So uh, it, the fact everything that that man did for Atlanta, I I'm sorry if you boo that man, you lose every bit of fan card and credibility that you have. Even if you disagree with him and you don't like. And want to call him "quote unquote" a sellout? The man went home. He's from California, you know. And the way things kind of ended, it, it just he, he wasn't ready to make a decision. He was still trying to make a decision, but the Braves couldn't wait any longer. Yeah. So, and just one of those things where it was business. Don't let that interfere with what the man did. You, if you can give Jorge Soler, you can give Jock Peterson, uh, these guys, they're due and they're standing ovations. I better not see if someone sitting in, in their chair. They better all be sit on their yeah, feet clapping for that man. Because, I mean, what he did for that city, it, I mean, th- there's no one else that's going to do that f- for a long time in Atlanta. So, Well, here's – I think when you mentioned that, it made it a lot more meaningful because, as you could see, Jock Peterson even mentioned it in this series against the Braves. He was like, man, these fans in Atlanta are just something else. He said, I had ushers walking up to me. He's like the day or the day that he got traded, he had ushers walking up to him. And he's like, mm-hmm. Who are these people? And he would walk over to the ushers. I don't know if you saw this interview, Tim, or not, but I, I saw the, it I was saw really good. It was really good because he was like, The ushers would be like, Hey, I don't want to autograph. I just want to say, Hey, my name is so and so. I'm an usher here. I just wanted to welcome you to Atlanta. He said, Literally, the atmosphere and the fans in Atlanta are a lot different than fans anywhere else. And they saw when he came back to Atlanta to play the Braves in the series, he was walking up to ushers. He was walking up to fans. He was walking up to former teammates and coaches. And all of his teammates were like, hey, what are you doing? Like, this is not normal anywhere else. But in Braves country, it's it's there. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. a family for a lot of these players. And I think that's the thing with Freddie Freeman. He spent a lot more years in Atlanta. He did a lot more – things for this organization and i'm not just talking about the organization i'm talking about the city i'm talking about the state of georgia and all of braves country throughout like all of its states that it kind of loops around mm-hmm. and the thing is is that i and i like your quote on this if i see a single fan sitting down it's like nah like get your butt up like yeah, stand exactly. up <laughs> like i don't even care if you don't clap like <laughs> just stand mm-hmm. up for this man because literally he has done so much for this organization from year in, year out. I mean, this dude was like a 365 player. Like, he would spend every living moment to try to make this Braves team better, and he did, and he got them to a World Series and now puts them in a really good position, even though he's not there, 
in a still really good position to still win another World Series. And, I mean, for a guy to do something like that is unbelievable uh, for the whole entire organization for Braves country. So I hope that everybody stands up and gives them an applause, but I know that there's going to be some people that are still going to boom. So, and I, I think this w- is probably the perfect comment to put uh, regarding the whole thing. Freddie would be on a pl- Braves Mount Rushmore to boo him would be dishonorable. Colts fans applauded for Peyton first uh, when he faced them against the Broncos, which is true. And I, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I would put him on my Mount Rushmore, Tim. I, I would put on my Mount Rushmore, I would probably put Freddie Freeman, Chipper Jones, Hank Aaron. No. I, mean, I mean, you can put Ted Williams, or not Ted Williams. Uh, what's that guy? I, uh, Eddie Matthews. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Eddie Matthews. Eddie Matthews. John Smoltz. Dale Murphy as well. John Smoltz, Greg Maddox. I mean, Tom Glavin. I mean, there's a lot, but uh, three for sure. Three for sure. Uh, I, I can definitely say Freddie Freeman's on my top. And true fans, uh, according to Shannon Graham, will not boo him, which is true. So, um, yeah. But two out of three is what you want for the Braves against the Dodgers, right? Two out of three. Yeah, because I believe that they did that to us, I'm, I'm mistaken, earlier in the year. I believe I – believe Yeah, in, in Los Angeles. Two out of three? Yeah. So, or they yeah. swept. It was one of the two. It was – I'd have to look. It, it's yeah. been a minute. But, it, but, yeah, I know that they won the series at least. I think the Braves got one, but I, I could be very wrong on that one. Yeah. But, it, yeah, like very minimally you want to try to take two out of three, especially with the Braves are playing right now, the way it's starting pitching is going. Even when this – Get, get it done. If, if one guy's struggling, the next guy behind him picks him, picks him up. So hopefully that will continue for the Yeah, absolutely. Sure. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the College World Series. And then last but not least, we will wrap up with Arch Manning and who he committed to earlier today. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Final segment of the Sideline Sports Show. Ben and Tim here with you. Tim, uh, we we talked about this last week and how we believe the College World Series would finally turn around now that Tennessee is out. Um, But uh, I think we are going to retract our statement and say it is probably one of the most boring College World Series we've seen since Tennessee has been removed. I will say yesterday we we got a good game between Ole Miss and Arkansas. Today, if you like good uh, pitching – Today was a good day. Ole Miss pitcher had a complete game shutout. They won 2-0. So hopefully we get an interesting College World Series final between Oklahoma and Ole Miss. But up until last night, well, I mean, w- w- there wasn't a game, I think, decided within four runs. Yeah. I mean, everything was just – I mean, f- I mean at the 6-1, 10-5, 12-4. I mean, it's just, it's just all these other scores, and you're just like, well, we kind of know the outcome early in the game. I guess we're just going to have to wait here. Yeah, I mean, A and M in Texas. I was so excited for that one. A and M blew the doors off of the Longhorns, and I was just like, "Okay, that right. was a letdown." So yeah, it was it was very disappointing. I uh, I think 
And I think people, that's why they wanted Tennessee to be in this, is to keep the excitement of college baseball going. Yeah, and, Tim, and Tim's like, yep, that was me. That this was guy, I, I was like, I'm telling you, I'm like, y'all, y'all root for Tennessee, but they were the ones that were going to make Omaha interesting. So, yeah. And, and, and I think that's why we can't give them too much hate. You know, again, antics, we'll say what you want about that. They gave, they brought storyline, they brought the glamour, they brought people, they brought eyes. And by that, I mean viewers. So, I, I almost hate it, but I, you know Notre Dame was a better team in the super regional. So, and I didn't understand that the why. Uh, look, I get it; they beat the best team, but they weren't even a, a top sixteen seed. The fact right. that Notre Dame was one of the, the, I think they were the odds-on favorite to win once they got to Omaha. I'm pretty sure I saw some that that they were the number one. They had the best odds to win Omaha once they got there, and I was like, I don't agree with that one. So, and of course, yeah. they went one and two. And kind of flamed out. But overall, this College World Series, man, it's just entertainment value just has not been there. Now, it, it, like I said, last night, very entertaining finish for sure. 3-2 final. But other than that, man, it just hadn't been much. Yeah. And, I, I mean, the thing was is, like, if you're a pitcher, you would have loved the Ole Miss game today if you didn't watch it. You would have loved oh, yeah. it. Because, yeah. I mean, right before we had Landon Powell on the show, he was like – he was sitting there. He's like, sorry, guys, I was watching the Ole Miss shutout. I was watching it finish. He was – He's that kind of guy, though. He's a catcher. He loves that kind of duel, pitcher's catcher duel. And that was the duel that was going on. So if you're an Ole Miss fan or even a pitching fan, you love that game and how the outcome came. But, I mean, one of the cool stats I saw, Tim, was that if Oklahoma can make it to the College World Series, and we mentioned this last week, if Oklahoma and Texas can actually win, uh, that would be the first time ever in College World Series history that both teams would meet in the softball college world series and the baseball college world series, if that's possible. But here's the thing. If Oklahoma were to win, they would be the first team ever to win a softball college world series and a men's college world series in baseball. Do you think that's even possible for the Oklahoma Sooners, Tim? Oh yeah, it's possible for sure. I mean, they've gotten there this far. I mean, they, yeah, they were, they were also not a team that was considered, uh, to be one of the favorites. They were a two seed in the regional, and they kind of had to go through that regional and had to survive a winner-take-all game against Florida, and th- they showed that they were road warriors then. They, they were had it what, it what it took, and then they went to Blacksburg, took on Virginia Tech, and won two out of three there as well. So that they showed that they, they were ready. Uh, they were up to the task. I mean, going up against some of the best teams in the country, and they did it. Some Sometimes they made it look easy in some, some of the games, especially in that clinching game against Virginia Tech. I mean, they took the Hokies to the woodshed in that game. So, would you say uh, that they gobbled up the Hokies, Tim? <laughs> all right, in the show. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. I, I, uh, I'm just doing what you do, Tim. I'm just. Doing I know. What I know. You do. I know. You stole my thunder, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. Uh, Milford, it, it would definitely be poetic for sure. Oh, man. Uh, according to Chris Milford, I agree with him. Absolutely, be poetic. It'd be kind of crazy because yeah. I mean, that's just something. You don't really think about, it. you know, it's just like wow, they went in softball, which everyone expected them to. They were they were the best team all year long. Nobody wanted a piece of. Them. I think they were like fifty five and like three or something like that. So it's 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 crazy, and that they were definitely expected to win. Now in baseball, you know, the exception of their postseason run, no one really knew a whole lot about them. They do now. So and if this old Miss team, I mean, again, another team wasn't a number one seed, had to go to Coral Gables in Miami. Had to go on the road to Super Regionals as well. They fought their way through. They're here as well. So it's kind of crazy that we don't even have a national seed playing in the College World Series Finals. So, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I would say it would be fun, but no, so far this College World Series hasn't really been that fun. So, but hopefully things change um, here in the next couple nights. Yeah. All right. Finally, um, there's a huge commit, Tim, that what? has been in college football, um, and his name is Arch Manning. And if you don't want to, if you don't have no idea what that last name sounds very familiar. Uh, yeah, I was Sorry. about to say, Tim, it is very, very familiar. Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Archie Manning. I mean, it, the list goes on and on, Tim. But you know, you thought, okay, Clemson had a good shot. Georgia had a good shot. Alabama really had a good shot. I mean, even Virginia had a chance. But where does he go to, Tim? He, go, he goes to a place that lost to Kansas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he he goes, goes to Austin, Texas to go to the University of Texas, Tim. I mean, hey, I mean, oh. Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, doing a heck of a job recruiting. I mean, it makes you wonder, though, like, man, y'all went 5-7, and seven, lost to Kansas, didn't go to a bowl game, and now you're landing a quarterback like Archie Manning? Kind of interesting. <laughs> but, I mean, hey. In times of NIL, you never know. That's you never right. know. So, but here, here's what I thought of Tim, and and this, I, when I was saw that, I said, okay, what would have, where could he start the fastest? Georgia, obviously not. Their quarterback room is loaded. I mean, it is stacked upon stacked. Uh, he he's not going to go play there. Uh, just being realistic, Clemson. He had a shot. Kate Klubnik would probably get the thumbs up by the end of the year, and we'll talk about that here in a couple weeks. So I, I, he could have got a shot there. I think that would have been a little bit higher up. Alabama, I mean, Bryce Young could go to the draft at the end of this year. Highly doubt it. Like I'd highly doubt it. I really do. I don't think he has enough tape to be a top-10 quarterback in that draft yet. Or, no, excuse me, he will be a top-10 quarterback in that draft. Excuse me. I just don't believe he's going to be a top-10 pick in the draft. Um, and I think he'll want to build off that. Um, Virginia, I, I don't understand why in the world he wanted to go Virginia in the first place. I think he had connections with Tony Elliott when he was at Clemson, maybe. And so he was like, let's just go see yeah. what Virginia's about. But I, I don't think that would have played out. I, I don't know. Tennessee... I just don't think he wanted to follow along with Peyton Manning. I, I just don't know. I, I So I, I think he's just kind of starting his own legacy at Texas. Very historic program, and I think he's going to do well there. And I think, honestly, let's be realistic, I think that kid, Quinn Yours, I think that's his last name, just transferred from Ohio State to Texas. So I think he'll get the thumbs up this year. But I think he'll really push Archie Manning um, – Archie Manning will push him out of his starting role by year two for him. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and again, I was really thinking, you know, remember when Ole Miss kind of painted their end zones? What was it they said? Manning in the end zones? Yeah. They did all yeah. that just for him to go to Texas. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, those other ones, you know, Clemson, Virginia, all those places had kind of been out for a long time. He had been in between Georgia, Alabama, and Texas. And people were kind of like, oh, he's thinking about – you know, Alabama, he's that, maybe Georgia. You've said it is a little bit of a stacked QB room. But, again, by the time you get there, maybe things will kind of thin out a little bit. But he saw the opportunity. He knew he'd have the opportunity to play at Texas right away, and he uh, he's jumping on it. So I I, I think he's going to be very good. And I, I I love this. I think Steve Sarkeesian's feeling the heat because Texas football going five and seven, 
Yeah, you're going to feel the heat very quickly if you do that. So he, he's definitely gone out there and made, made a home run recruit here. So Yeah, and you know what's even crazier, Tim? This stat right here. Kansas beat Texas last year, but here's the crazy yeah. thing. Te- Kansas has won a total, a total of 10 games over six seasons, Tim. Well, when you storm the field, when you barely beat an FCS opponent, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Which they've done it that, was, I think, probably once sense. or twice. So, And I think they've, when they've, <laughs> they've had Coastal Carolina. Uh, they even went to Coastal Carolina the last year, which was weird, having Kansas Jayhawks basically in Myrtle Beach last year. That was something else, but – yeah, just to get railroaded like the way that they did. So uh, it doesn't surprise me in any way, shape, or form. But honestly, it surprises me they have that many wins in six years. I'll be I'll be honest. Well, you can easily say, Tim, that Coastal Carolina clicked their little red shoes together and sent them right back to Kansas. <laughs> You're on a roll or something today, man. I'm, I'm goodness proud. gracious. I'm proud. So. All right. Meanwhile, my brain's dead, and I'm like, I'm like, is it is it Friday night, Saturday? You know, I'm hitting the lake on Saturday with, with people. Is it Lake Day yet? You know, so that's where yeah. my mind is. I appreciate your mind being here because mine <laughs> yeah. is ready for the hey, weekend. It's okay, mine is too. Hey, but before we go, we're going to do a couple things. We are going to mention we are not here next Thursday night. We will be here in two weeks on July the seventh, as we will begin. Tim, this is our favorite time of the year. Our predictions for college football season. We will start with the American Athletic Conference, the July 14th. Uh, we got a, actually a really good show for you. Uh, not confirmed, but Roddy Jones probably going to join the show. Big 12 could have the biggest name on the show, Tim. Could have. And this is not confirmed either. RG3 could be joining us for the Big 12. That's uh, news I, to me. Yeah. So SEC could have former Georgia quarterback Hudson Mason join the show. That's not confirmed either. I, I'm just there's a lot of names. I really hope them. this happens. You know, like you, you're folding some names here. You know, kind of teasing our audience. If it doesn't happen, they may come at you with some pitchforks. Well, you know? well, but here's the thing. That's what the audience can do. They can help us get to this. And like I said, there's been conversations, but nothing has been finalized. So hopefully, this gets all finalized before we come back from our little vacation next week that we'll all take, and then. On the seventh, we'll kick off the American Athletic Conference and break that down for you. Already have mine. Like I already have it listed. I, I'm giving you the backside because I don't want to show you the front side. But um, it's all right here. I got my notes ready. I'm ready to go. That way, I, when I come back, I don't have to worry about it. I already have it ready to go. I, I'm fully committed on this list, and I already got the ACC down too, uh, both coastal and Atlantic. So uh, it's going to be a very, very fun one. Uh, when we come back. But until then, go visit our friends at section103.com. Get your 10% off code using the code sideline at checkout. Go check them out for all your Georgia Tech athletic gear. And then last but not least, follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, at Sideline Sports Show, or on Twitter at Sideline SP Show because they don't want to give you enough characters. Uh, But yet TikTok will let you now have a 10-minute video uh, on TikTok, which absolutely blows my mind, Tim. I don't, I don't want to sit there and watch a ten-minute TikTok. I mean, that's what YouTube's for. I mean, hey, I mean, you could, we, we could upload uh, about ten minutes of our Landon Powell interview from the exactly. beginning of the show, and I, I, you know, I'd watch that. You know, ten exactly. minutes, but yeah, the other than that, there's not a whole lot of stuff that I, I watch for ten minutes. Not on TikTok, no. Yeah, not on TikTok. So, uh, but you'll be able to if you miss the show and you're listening on Podcast Land. 
Come check it out. Go to our YouTube page. Hit the subscribe button. But also go check out all of our other social media platforms. Follow us. We'll be posting content. Uh, like the other day, we mentioned uh, all of our favorite stadiums that we believe that were the loudest. Uh, somebody made fun of me that I had Tennessee on my list because they said they show up for the first half and leave before halftime. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you can totally judge me on any of my decision-making processes, okay? And you'll get to do that over the next course of about a month and a half as we go through these predictions because, I mean, some of mine were god-awful, and then there's Tim that was very, very proud. He had Georgia winning the national title last year. So, I mean, well, I'm I mean just but, uh, you know, while I was great and I was riding my high horse, I also had Clemson as the number one seed in the national championship game. Exactly. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe I'll ride my high horse a little bit lower. Yeah. Hey, but at least you have your national champion right. I didn't even have almost but, anything right. And it was crazy. I predicted the national champion, and I didn't even have to bark. Exactly. Hey, that's a, that's a good thing, Tim, because I can't stand a barking adults. So, uh, not, not many to, people outside of Athens can. So. Yeah. So, totally understandable. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the sideline sports show have a fantastic week we will not see you next week we'll see you in two weeks right here on the sideline sports show as we will start to begin college football predictions so don't miss it july the 7th we'll be back and until then have a great week weekend and we will see you guys on july the 7th